You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. So we are recording this episode on the day Saurav Ganguly officially took over as the president of PCCI, right? And uh, the slated last day of the test series between India and South Africa, but the test ended yesterday, right? So in today's episode, we have a special guest, Aditya from the Fourth Seat Podcast. Hello, Aditya. Welcome on the podcast. Hello. Hello and thanks for having me here. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure. So I I keep telling my friends as well about your podcast. I really like the take you guys have, especially on Bollywood and Hollywood. Those are some episodes I really enjoyed listening, especially the, I think, which is the movie, the Govinda movie, the Govinda's role in Hum, I'm sure. You really like Govinda, I think. Yeah, yeah. Right? so we are all huge Govinda fans as as our podcast, if you since you've been listening, you would know that. Yeah. Exactly, but also I think Rajkumar and which is that film? I think no, that Kanti is Tiranga that you're referring to. Ah, yes, yes. Also another That's, excellent film, right? Tiranga is like a annual ritual. So oh wow, watching oh. Tiranga on Republic Day is all people have had to do. In the last twenty years, I think everybody has watched Tiranga every single Republic Day and Independence Day. That that wow. qualifies you to be. Uh, in India. Oh, all right. I should probably start some of these rituals for myself, no? Yeah. Because so I know in American homes they have this like uh, Christmas movie always like that. So we should yeah. also in 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 India you should have like these really bad movies which should become mm. a ritual. Like we have oh. quite a lot of them. Yeah, I am a fan of some of those excellent movies myself. Like Gunda, I don't know if you've known of. Yeah. yeah. 1998. A- a- right. Excellent movie. Yeah, yeah, and there's one more. Of course, uh, there is a trio these days, right? The MSG movies. Yeah, MSG movies is the modern day Gunda. Exactly. So, I mean, it, we should definitely mention it. It's quite exemplary. Yeah, I so. think I, I, you've given us an idea. We should do actually an entire dedicated episode on MSG. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm a big fan, huh, by the way. Not <laughs> only of his politics, of his movie making, also his satsang. So, you could invite uh, me. I can come sh- as a subject. Uh, sure. I think we have specialist. a sure start guest. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, getting back to the matter at hand, since this is a cricketing podcast and maybe people completely lose track of it. So, uh, otherwise, you know, they might say, what what podcast is this suddenly? But I hope you don't (laughs) mind. Let's switch to what's happening in the cricketing world. So, you know, the third test between India and South Africa ended just uh, yesterday. It was yesterday was two overs, I would say. It was a three-day match with like just spilling over into the fourth day. So, again, a very consummate performance from Indian team. So, if I just look through the scorecard, Rohit Sharma 212, then of course Rahane 115 along with him. And so a good recovery. They were 39 for 3 on the first morning. So from there, the way they have recovered with Jadeja, Saha, and uh, Umesh Yadav, especially, I think 13, just 10 balls and so on. They end up at 497 for 9, you know, basically just going at four and a quarter runs and over, taking basically South Africa out of the game in terms of winning it. So this debutant, Linda, George Linda, did a good job. I think he took four wickets. Also, Rabada was very good at the top, but then somehow he faded away. You know, we'll probably get into the details shortly. But then South Africa were completely blown away, right? You had um, two innings, once 162, another time uh, 133. I think you could see that they were eager to get on the plane. So, Zubair yeah. Hamza, who played in for the first time in this uh, series, had a point to prove. He made a 62. Bavuma, who's under a bit of pressure, made 32. And then Linda again made 37. That was good. But uh, in the second innings... You know, uh, there was not a lot. I mean, the top order had given up the ghost and uh, they had slipped to 5 for 36. And then six for they had already taken their boarding passes in the second. Pretty day. much. I think they had already had it printed. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So and then a little bit of uh, a drama with uh, Dean Elgar retiring hurt based on a bouncer from Umesh Yadav. And then, you know, Thames to Brown hitting a 30. That was a top score at number eight. But it was not a lot, right? Uh, did you see most of the match or did you I know you live in the US so maybe time zone wise yeah I followed like a session here and there and mostly on highlights but I followed it only when the Indian fast bowlers were bowling that is the only thing I was looking forward to and the day one actually is something which I followed it for the first time in this series for the first hour or so it felt like actual test cricket 
ben rabada and norke and uh, and lingidi uh, lungiyangidi for a very short while mm. felt like there was test cricket going on for a very brief while right 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 yeah indeed i mean look when india reduced to 39 for 3 these three were very capable batsmen mayank agarwal hit hundreds we don't have to talk about yeah. pujara and kohli right but the actual quality of bowling was also really good like uh, rabada actually swung the ball that morning mm-hmm. uh, for a brief while yeah and uh, one wonders why they didn't start with a three pronged attack in this series to begin with right right the right. first test itself at wizag for a team to just go in with muthuswami and denpeet and uh, maharaj as a frontline bowling attack is not something which makes sense even in india right unless you have like genuine good spinners like a nathan lyon even then that australian attack still had uh, kamin stark and hazelwood if you look at a lot of these successful teams in india uh, who have come to india and won games it's actually through fast bowling more often than not Mm-hmm. so to start off with three spinners in the first test from there for the first time it looked like their attack actually felt okay but by that time the as you said they they were already had boarded their flights in their minds i mean it happens to most teams i mean if i were to look at it from a indian fan who grew up watching 90s and early 2000s cricket right it happened to indian teams yeah. when it toured abroad like there used to be a fast pitch that 99 to yeah Yeah, that ninety nine two thousand. Oh yeah, three nil. Yeah, yeah, three yeah. nil. No, but also the ninety six to South Africa, where I think we were bowled out for some sixty six and hundred oh. or something like this, if you remember. Yeah, but at least in that series, uh, the third test was still okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should have won that third test. Azar counter punched, I remember, right? But then. Yeah, at least we used to have like that one inning, like that Azar Sachin partnership at Cape Town. Exactly. Exactly. comes to mind yeah well i mean it looks nice but you know at least from an indian perspective when you look at the stats they are overwhelmingly in favor of the indian team on in every facet right the number of runs averaging per wicket the number of uh, runs or you know average per uh, wicket taken wicket given everything is completely completely one sided but do we talk about how the pitches were i mean the pitches were actually for a change they were not like uh, no, yeah they were pretty neutral i would say but i think for the last 3 mm. years right so uh, what i have observed is ever since the 2015 south africa series which was really really pathetic quality of wickets right in that series they were yeah, the yeah, yeah. then but since then more often than not in the wickets in india have been quite good right except for that one wicket at pune which we lost mm. that mm. game ironically apart from that uh, th- i remember like a couple of good wickets in that australia series dharamshala was like more an australian wicket than india england scored 400 plus in almost all their test games right when yeah, they yeah, yeah. in 2016 and this series was like pune and uh, ranchi were really good actually uh, i saw shami spell and Sh- uh, saha was taking the ball above his head at yeah. one point even on the fourth yeah. day i mean if anything on at least this ranchi pitch I think Umesh Yadav and Shami found the right length to attack because they were at the end of the day hitting the top of off stump with most of their balls, right? I don't know. I would yeah. like to bring to focus one specific point on how good the Indian fast bowling was. That if you saw Umesh Yadav bowl to fast two plus in the first innings and Quinton de Kock in the second innings, both were bowled exceptional right? delivery. I mean, yeah. it was the same ball. It was a ball pitching in the stumps, moving enough, leaving the batsman enough to take the off. It was effectively unplayable. Hitting the top yeah, of exactly, off. and yeah. he did on the same day. They both happened because uh, South Africa followed on. He did both of those on the same day. One to a right hander, one to a left hander. This is this is exceptionally good bowling, yeah. right? I mean, you don't expect Indian bowling fast bowlers to be this ruthless. So. for me that stood up very clearly and a lot of it is also perception right like if the same deliveries were bowled in the english or the australian mm-hmm. home season mm-hmm. uh, those would be held for the next decade yeah, yeah, yeah. if you uh, there is there is one delivery of ryan harris to yeah yeah, yeah. to cook if Indeed. i'm not wrong like, and and i if not better these deliveries are as good right but just that the games are being played in india in ranchi and wizag and pune that uh, they don't get hyped up as much and it's just just the general perception also mm. that indian cricket is uh, indian domestic cricket would uh, would always be spin heavy it's just a perception okay i feel oh, you're right you're absolutely right and it makes sense i mean i don't go for ball of the decade ball of the century sort of stuff because 
in any given series there would be one or two of those very really good balls you could always count that i mean exactly. unless you're talking of ones you know pitching outside leg and taking the top of off turning four feet sort of balls even that right don't you think like murlidharan during the course of his career wouldn't have bowled any such he has it's just that where the cricket is played rather than who has uh, rather than what the actual delivery is which decides whether it gets labeled as the ball of the century Indeed. because a lot of the folklore is heavy on wisdom <laughs> and how they rate innings and deliveries right yeah, absolutely so right. the british and the australian media actually uh, c- controls the narrative some some mm-hmm. sense no it's it's like who gets to say it first that gets repeated first. often because oh. wasim akram's delivery to rahul dravid for example in that mm. chennai test yeah. or it is as good as a delivery as any right but it never gets referred to in the same sentence like most of it would be from the ashes or from the australian or english home seasons at the very least very rarely there are some balls that are given credit for example ishan sharma bowling to ponting in that spell in australia if i remember but even then that cricket happened in australia right that's what ah, i'm referring to good point good like, point yes uh, we should probably start yes. a twitter you know we should start a twitter storm about these two balls from uh, umesh yadav the ones i told you they are exactly. so good yeah. now for that matter those uh, other balls that shami bowled the ones that he took lbws i think so yeah. classens wicket for example the lbws so they were all like classic 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 bowling again it's yadav but in the second innings yadav but in the first innings it was jadeja again the ball that jadeja bowled to take classen out bowled yeah classic right so yeah you know that's good i mean it's just good enough that it takes a wicket that's why it's that special a little bit more <laughs> turn or a little bit more bounce any of those things it's missing the wicket so that's why it is special for me right exactly and uh, these guys have been doing well in general the coming back to the indian fast bowlers just for a minute just to dwell mm. because that's how good they have been they've been as good over the past few seasons actually indian fast bowlers have outbowled their counterparts for a few seasons now like they were much better than anderson and broad when england toured right. in shami and yadav again in that series right by then bumrah hadn't even debuted so mm. people mm. forget that yadav played through 16 tests in a row in india and he was the only seamer to actually last that long and he he was fairly successful in that season too in that 2016 17 season where he played a lot of home tests right 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 they don't get enough credit that's what i mean yeah no umesh yadav is actually an exceptional bowler in indian conditions uh, it mm-hmm. sort of probably goes away into the background because it's a spinner taking a lot of wickets but many times when there was only one fast bowler called for he used to be the bowler in the yeah. eleven right and they and, have to do the dirty job right like exactly. the hard yards no they relish doing it so they are given a uh, like a brief you are going to bowl 12 overs a day uh, shoaib akhtar keeps repeating this um, over and over so it's stuck in mm-hmm. my mind 12 hours a day three spells a day or four spells a day of small three four hour spells you have to go like give your heart out you have to go do your best there right and yeah. give me two wickets i don't care how many runs you give because the rest of the day i have to patch up the run rate right and they are excelling at that so again in this in this test with three spinners being in the 11 right so they took five wickets among themselves in the first test and five wickets in the second uh, inning and in in around just 20 overs exactly in 20 overs each 19 overs precisely each yeah. so fantastic bowling i mean look at the strike rate there so you know i was looking at some online statistics about how bad south africa have been outplayed right so their batting average per wicket is 23 and their bowling average is nearly 77 so the average difference of 54 between the yeah. runs considered and runs runs made would be it's the highest apparently and it's exactly the double of the of their previous worst series so this was in sri lanka again and uh, it wasn't particularly a really bad south african attack right it wasn't as if like you had like three debutants or so on the south african seamers were in south africa you would give them quite a fair chance right mm-hmm. this attack but for some reason philander has never really excited me as a bowler outside of english and south african conditions agree and uh, and rabada was the only real one and I, i it really baffles me as to why ngidi didn't play the first test i think he was, was injured. It injured yeah 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 but but he was with the south african a team for quite a while and he played with the a team for a long time mm-hmm. like that entire south africa india a series he was playing through that i think frankly first test he was not chosen second test he was injured but anyway he was yeah you you probably have a point 
you know you should go the old ever hansi kroni and you know people like those those uh, teams that toured india previously they always used to bank on their yeah. strength which was fast bowling right yeah if you have good spinners it makes sense yeah absolutely correct exactly the point you But, can't hope to even match let alone outmatch the indian spinners in local conditions not many spinning you know teams have done that so i think uh, graham swan and marty panas have did it and nathan lyon was nathan lyon was really good but then the batsman were too good right he was he was the only good spinner in yeah. the position you need a tandem you Correct. need like a team of spinners mm-hmm. right they don't have it yeah. so why not bank on i would even not care if you played like like three seamers and they have vian mulder in the team i don't know if you see that he's yeah. a fast bowler mm-hmm. he bowls fast i mean he bowls old school fast like kalis fast it'll hit hard it'll hit mm-hmm. the bat hard right so even nokia for that instance was like he was quite okay he was good. like he seems to have the promise at least he stands a better chance of taking a wicket than uh, muthuswami or dane peet yeah muthuswami had at least a semblance of control dane peet was always hit out yeah. of the attack in the only innings that he bowled yeah. again in this um, this thing test he's given 100 100 runs in 18 overs but there is something controversial that i want to say about that that this attack felt custom made for rohit sharma <laughs> to score runs like it if if you could design an attack for sharma to be successful it would be this attack like three spinners uh, finger spinners that two bowling on a first day track in mm-hmm. india it's calling for trouble exactly like that that very first day on vizag actually said the correct top. absolutely right and that's a very good point to you know and we can't leave we can't leave rohit out of the discussion really he's come to the party so he sort of yeah. taken it with such a such an aplomb he's now in the top 10 batting rankings also in tests He was always in the limited over format. He was there. He's really massacred them. Man of the series, man of the match, everything, right? Yeah, yeah. But this was his best knock so far. Like this was his best innings as a fit. It's a good point because I think he had to weather the first hour in the traditional manner, right? Give the yeah. first hour to the fast bowler because there is some swing, swing some seam. He definitely did that. So fair bit of attack later on that. And then you know the thing with this guy is once he crosses a hundred balls. it doesn't matter what is a format he's going to hit you for sixes he's a such a clean hitter his eyes are set mm-hmm. he's got the pace of the pitch uh, that's what happens in limited overs cricket as well right yeah. once he's set if he ever crosses a 100 balls i don't know if you've seen those stats mm. i think his average his strike rate increases to beyond 200 once he crosses 125 balls or something like this i mean he's just going to murder you so in this case he did really well to hold himself back still he finished with a strike rate of 83 right yeah and of course he hit a six uh, to cross both the 100 and 200 mm-hmm. that doesn't happen very often in test cricket right a very brave guy i mean a certain amount of certainty he's he appears a bit more calculated than a virendra sehwag was complete you know swash buckling guy this guy is a bit calculated but still he knows that there is this confidence this i mean at times i think at twitter at some point and dane pit looked like he was bowling in a club game there was no flight there was no hang in the air right i mean just to just to compare him against it probably be not a right thing to do but you know ashwin did not have a very successful test he took only yeah. one wicket right? and he didn't have much but, to do either <laughs> exactly but the only wicket he took you could see what ashwin is all about right he, so they reverse swept him they they waited on the back foot and made sure they could you know there's always an empty offside field behind point right for an off spinner in test mm-hmm. so they made sure they scored most of his runs there so but then when a tail ender came he also slogged him straight so ashwin yeah. is like you know what wait the ball goes higher the ball goes slower and it lands half a foot shorter that gets us the same thing it goes into points hand hmm. i didn't see one time this kind of thinking that that guy is running in bowling he's bowling flatter he's bowling fuller no matter what there is no dip there is no flight and what i saw i think uh, in any case in indian conditions jadeja is very very useful right true he doesn't look to turn the ball a whole lot but then he turns enough like half a bit half a bat width or one bat width that's more than enough and he beats the bat or he gets the results right jadeja yeah. was more effective on this pitch that was yeah. very interesting to see as well the moment the wicket is breaking up jadeja is the better bowler on a yeah. more flattish wicket like beating the batsman in the air i think ashwin has more there hmm. good point But the mo- jadeja is like uh, somewhat like how kumble was on these uh, wickets which are breaking up like kumble would suddenly become unplayable the moment and of course like kumble doesn't get the due credit because in the latter part of his career he was effective on all wickets in general exactly exactly no, he matured into a beautiful bowler yeah and he had the flight towards the end just that he never gets credit for that yeah i think he always had the flight 
he always had before he never used he, it because he just yeah. saw the way to take wickets was this that's it in the fag end of his career kumble was actually getting wickets using his googly he actually used to turn the ball towards Indeed. the end Indeed. and jadeja is very similar on those uh, wickets which are breaking up like lbw and bold mm-hmm. ashwin i still feel would be the better bowler in flatter conditions uh, but i think it's a huge headache for kohli now to pick the side when they travel overseas well he's anyway keeps chopping and changing but results are getting delivered he's the winningest indian captain and we talked about it in the previous episode he has a good chance of overtaking maybe at least steve in terms of number of wins if not how quickly those wins are achieved in and he may even have a shot at what james went did but 50 plus test wins right only captain 50 plus test wins we'll see yeah. we'll see how all that but in, in general what do you feel is the uh, like the biggest takeaway for india like the biggest positive apart from the obvious ones like uh, not uh, rohit sharma for example we all yeah, would have yeah. we all spent a lot of time talking about him what i really saw was the ruthlessness that was on display you know this champion teams come to this i think they have to go up many levels of performance and they achieve this ruthlessness you saw this in the champion teams of australia i have yeah. never had a chance to see that champions west indian teams in live in action but i saw that ruthlessness you can get them into any amount of trouble they'll fight themselves out of there and get to get into a winning position right and even when uh, and uh, if it's at, for some players we have to look beyond stats right mm. for example like uh, rahane may not have the stats of a kohli but when it comes to a 40 for 3 50 for 5 situation he generally turns up those days like that that is a australia used to have like damian martin for example Good martin way. may not have had the stats of uh, steve but uh, he was generally effective when it came to these really oh. battling situations and same with lakshman right so he used lakshman, to not play yeah. a lot when the team was doing well he used to play when the chips were down yeah lakshman was not your 200 for 2 batsman no no basically no. Lakshman was always your hundred for four correct, when correct. it came, came came to a rescue operation. So I think we have a few of these cricketers now. Exactly. And uh, as you said, even in the past, we might have had similar records. Like during the Azuruddin era, we didn't lose a lot at home, but yeah. we never were this ruthless. Exactly. And we had like one mode of winning. Yeah, yeah, it was like prepare a spinning pitch, bat first, make sure you put enough. It, they did this effectively. They won all three tosses here, but it didn't matter. Right? The yeah. pitches were not those spinning like uh, whatever uh, graveyards. They were good. They were really good. Yeah. And one last word on uh, Fav Duplessis. Yeah. He looked clueless. He didn't look like he was in for a fight. Yeah. For a guy who has played so much cricket in India in these last decade. Yeah. He didn't seem like he had a clue about. team selection seemed disinterested almost indeed now in the end i think he was he had become a bit jaded with all the let's say it's like a boxer punch drunk this you know just he's standing on his feet if you touch him he'll fall down <laughs> it's literally like that he's standing i mean he's he's sort of going through yeah. the motion he has no um thought process left or he's so feeling down but that's where the backroom staff also you know should should be stepping in and if you see your skipper going on an auto this thing Uh, you should pull him out and say what's happening uh, shake him out a little but maybe it's, it's and the ir- irrational thing of bringing temba bhuma to the toss it was just a mockery of i think uh, i don't know if you heard how graham smith reacted to that i think uh, both uh, these no. points i mean he was very ruthless oh. he said what is this what is happening with south africa this is not the south africa i built or this is not the south africa i represented what happened first of all he was very very critical about bringing uh, temba bhuma to the toss and it's like you're already going there with a defeatist mentality why don't you go there and call it's fine you lose you lose you take it forward from there why do you need somebody else to sort of deputize for you if you've done badly you've done badly to be really honest toss. even if they had won the toss i don't think things would have changed they would have been all out for 250 probably but yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a you know it's a at this point in time a theoretical discussion but nonetheless you you're probably right if doing what the pitch was doing maybe the indian fast bowlers would have blown them away given how they yeah. i mean the last takeaway for me the good takeaway for me would be pradiman sahab being trusted about pant and him actually repaying the team i don't know if you saw it that way i thought he did a fantastic job behind the stumps yeah that is i agree with that like i i i i, I think a few of those takes uh, that won't be talked about a lot mm. given how much the wicket keeping is not seen as a huge skill right. generally but i think some of those takes were breathtaking that last catch he took that uh, on the good final point, day good point exactly i was about to bring it up excellent 
those are like very uh, really really hard takes and saha does that like in day out it was at his bootlesses yeah. so he took it very comfortably he was just following the ball so cleanly yeah most keepers it would have just deflected off and gone for a by or something exactly so saha does that like day in day out mm. generally but sadly for him like uh, i don't know how much cricket he has left in him in general yeah. because if and in some level it is unfair to pant because this was the only format where pant actually really did okay yeah yeah with the bat yeah of course so i don't know that's a mess but i think rishabh pant has a lot of time so the, he is the coming man as far as keeping goes he is the coming man i don't see anybody like sanju samson or ishan kishan somebody mm-hmm. leapfrogging him at 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 this stage at least right but saha yeah. if he has two seasons two good seasons left saha saha should be given those two seasons that's my opinion yeah, yeah. i agree i agree he's also like the more safer batsman in in some sense nah i mean yeah he's 24 in this case there was no win for him whether he made 24 or 60 for it wouldn't have mattered but i would say he has a bit of that vj watling in him you know when the chips are yeah, down yeah. he's the other extreme like crisis player left on the planet i would say in the new zealand uh, keeper no a situation where i would have in the last year or so where we actually could have done with a saha then pant is uh, that it that run chase in southampton if good, good point uh, yes actually pant came in he slogged a yeah. 20 and we didn't have too many to get right you had i think if rahane or kohli one of them were batting i think rahane was batting with uh, pant yeah. right at yeah. that point whether pant then just slogged and got out for a slog to mid on or something i think that is a match situation where we probably could have done with a more mature head there i think pant uh, is going to get to that maturity himself give him 3 4 years he's 22 23 right he'll yeah. get there but yeah, yeah. saha himself yeah. has done a few of those uh, stupid slot yeah yeah never in yeah exactly right Adelaide. it's happened but you know what it's fine i mean let's not go too much into that but yeah. just to finish off this topic do you see saha retaining the gloves for the new zealand tour yeah i do hmm. genuinely do given how bad we are our slip cordon is in general <laughs> with pant i think with pant i think it adds to the chaos Hmm. I don't think, uh, given how sure assured that Sahas keeping is, yeah. I think uh, it makes the slip cordon much more secure also in general. Rohit Sharma did a fantastic job there. No, given that your keeper can cover that much more space, hmm. Hmm. I think uh, the slip cordon then can be much wider and then get away with it. Exactly. Yeah, good point. Which is what we need in overseas conditions. We have lost a fair few Test matches due to bad slip fielding overseas. I would say, I would say it's exactly the opposite. But it's a deeper discussion because you need to be closer, and every catch that comes in that restricted space has to be taken. No, it's taken, but but with but with an unsure keeper, ah. you your first slip generally doesn't know whether to go for a catch or not. Like someone like Saha, that yeah, he'll take it. You don't have to worry. You don't have to. It worry. will be taken. Yeah, exactly. I think that's where. So, yeah. you know, I'm really looking forward to the New Zealand series because it's a away tour, and India has, uh, you know, historically done really badly in New Zealand in tests. And it will right. be a tougher tour than our last tour to Australia. They have a better For batting sure. lineup and a much yes. and a very good bowling lineup in general. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the ball, the tussle between the fast bowlers, really. And I'm quite right. upset that it's not a three-match series. It's just a two-match. Yeah. So, Now it's. Uh, There is an article by Andrew Fidel Fernando. I'll not go too deep into it. He says the some of the point system in the yeah. uh, World Test Championship does not make sense. But it's a it's actually a it's showing what the bigger picture is. Not many people play too many five series tests. Five series. Right? Only these top three play. That's yeah. the point. So anyway, it's a long New Zealand is at least a series that warrants three tests, right? Indeed. So, I, I would have said take cut off a couple of ODIs, take away one or two T20s. I don't care. Make one more test or two tests, but that's me. Because we we actually did play ODIs just earlier this year. Correct. So it absolutely makes no sense to have another ODI series and rather have another test match. It eventually boils down to the economics. Exactly. So, exactly. Nah, but it's a discussion for another day. Uh, you know, a topic it can be examined by itself. But all in all, let's really hope you know it'll be a humdinger of a series and. May the best team win. At least in the Test Championship, if you look at the points, India run away with a lead, like five matches, two forty points, full points, right? So yeah. they are like miles ahead of the next best team. But uh, you know, it's New Zealand sixty, Sri Lanka sixty are the next best. But Australia and England, who yeah. each have played five five matches, have only fifty six points. So that's a big difference. But let's see how in a year's time how it will look. You know, because that will give us a good idea who who could win the championship. 
So yep. going forward, mm, you know the World T Twenty qualifiers are underway. There have been quite a lot yeah. of competitive matches because we live in Netherlands. I would like to quickly summarize that you know Netherlands is right now on top of Group A. They beat Singapore today. It was a sort of a one-sided match, and they were able to comfortably beat them. And then from there, you know, they have a good chance of making it to the World T Twenty as things stand currently. But I think you have some more you know interesting observations about this tournament. Yeah. So in general, I'm I'm I usually look forward to yeah. associate cricket. So. Papua New Guinea, for example, is a team which I'm actually following of late. Is uh, because given that uh, you generally associate uh, like second tier cricket with a lot of expats, but teams right. like PNG and even yes, Netherlands, yes. for that matter, have a lot of homegrown players, right? Which often doesn't get recognized. Yes. Like uh, even Nigeria, for example, is full of homegrown cricketers, and uh, and and. Mm. given that even in even in football if you actually follow the qualifiers and stuff a lot of these asian teams actually have experts like uh, if middle eastern countries do not have they have a mix of both experts and home homegrown footballers for example so there are a few teams like there is one talking point that uh, colin sobuya is still playing wow. Wow, wow that's a blast from the past don't tell me mauro sobuya yeah. mauro sobuya will also be playing next <laughs> no but uh, Colin Colin Sabuya is somebody I saw. Oh, yeah, that, uh, he was he's still playing as a batsman if I'm not wrong. And there is quite a lot of depth in associate cricket also. Yes, yes. Uh, this is as uh, generally when we talk of associate cricket, our mind casts back to the '96 World Cup or something like that when the quality was quite poor. The gap was really big, right? With UAE in that tournament and Sultan Zarawani, right? The oh yeah, the guy who challenged. Uh, Alan Dermott got it on the head. And got yeah. it on the head. Quality was pretty bad then. But these days, even if you look at associate tournaments, be it this qualifier or the 2019 World Cup qualifier, the 50-over World Cup qualifier, uh, was quite keenly contested. I think we had every team beating each other. Uh, you had uh, Scotland almost knocking out West Indies from that World Cup. They were actually hard done by a few bad umpiring calls and there was no DRS in that series. Which tells you how short-sighted ICC is. If ever there was a time to expand your marquee tournaments, I think it is now. Right. And instead of going the expansion way, we have gone the other way and shrunk our World Cup. Well, look, I have a couple of points there. So first of all, we are headed in the right direction. We are not going as fast as we would like. So yeah. it is still very much money controlled. Economics still plays a very big part. And so I was reading an article where, you know, in the same article about, uh, you know, the point system from Andrew Fidel Fernando, he says, you know, when whenever teams tour Sri Lanka, they have only two mm. profitable teams. One is India, the other is England. Mm. Even when Australia, Pakistan tour, they barely break even. Right? Mm-hmm. South Africa, Australia, Pakistan. So that is the reality. So this... If that is the case, given the number of matches that can be held, would every board be able to actually hold those matches and forget turning out a profit? Will they even break even? That's the problem, right? No, but I'm not talking about the regular calendar even, right? So, say you have like uh, these many teams in this. This is the final round of qualifiers, right? So, then you have another ladder below, right? So, now that they have the ODI championships, there is a that is a step in the right direction. I think Netherlands is a part of that ODI championship, if I'm not yes. wrong, right? Yes. So yes. I think it's Netherlands fair. is the yeah is the so I think every team has to play the Netherlands over the next three years or so, if I'm not wrong. So I think you have Pakistan touring Netherlands next year. So that's a step in the right direction. But what I feel is that mm. the ICC should bite the bullet for just that one month or one and a half month during that World Cup or World T20. And just expand those tournaments. Like at least having a three or four more slots mm. wouldn't hurt, right? You'll have to look for a different format. It it cannot be this all league format that we had this year. And you can probably yeah. have like something ideal would have been like either the 99 World Cup format. You can have like two groups of eight or seven, and then have the Super Six, which gives you the best of both worlds. You have like all the big teams going through, if you if at all, or even that. 2007 format was not really bad. You had like four groups of four. But the fact that India and Pakistan got knocked out is what turned them off that format. 
the, all the teams got too few games. You had to make or break within three games or something. And that was not enough. In the first round, right? But once you went through, then you had the entire Super 8s exactly. for yourself. Then you had like the whole league. So, I think 10 teams for a World Cup is too few. Given I am talking about it from the perspective of an associate right. nation, right? So, if you are a Dutch cricketer or a Scott cricketer or an Irish cricketer mm. for that matter... What do you have to look forward to? Like these guys might have like really short shelf lives as a international right. cricketer. And if you miss out, if you have just one slot that you're fighting for and you're fighting for that slot with the likes of West Indies and Afghanistan, right. then there is very little shot at you playing the World Cup. Then what keeps these uh, second tier cricketers going actually? Uh, that's my worry. Like uh, Ryan Tendo, uh, Tendo could have played like Probably one more World Cup had they had more slots. Um, you might lose out on really good cricketers, and you 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 might lose out in an opportunity to inspire these nations and, and the next generation of cricketers in these countries. That's my worry. Yeah, it's a very good point. So I somewhere I read online that you know it, it there could be a plate league like you know uh, some more teams playing either international ODI cricket regularly among themselves or even test cricket among themselves at a air quotes lower right. league right so that's fine and then you every test championship cycle you give two teams uh, a chance to get promoted and two teams to be relegated like the premiership kind of a model like rele- relegation and yeah promotion it can happen over 3 years if required or 4 years uh, for odis it can happen every world cup cycle and test it can happen every test championship cycle that's something that can still be thought of but the problem is what I tried to tell you earlier about the operating costs, mm-hmm. right? And the moment these individual cricket boards start generating their own revenue, that's when all of this is possible. Because even in the top 20, right, uh, like the second uh, 10 teams, not the top 10, but the second 10 are all sort of kept alive by ICC through funding. But that might be a, sh- a short term thing, right? Like in the short run, I think the ICC will have to bite the bullet and take some losses. Because otherwise, in the long run, it becomes unsustainable. I agree. So, look, uh, Cricket World Cup has 10 teams. It's it's ridiculous considering, you know, uh, for football or rugby, you have like a two-year qualification cycle and you have 32 teams participating or 16 teams participating. That's how it should be. I totally agree with you. I think 16 at least should be the minimum we should be looking at. And I think currently, in, uh, they cannot even have the argument of cricket not being competitive because in the 2015 World Cup, associate games were closer than the matches between big sides. So, yes. I don't even think uh, that argument. Was it not in the Asia Cup recently where, you know, Singapore came very close to upsetting Hong Kong. Uh, India? Hong Kong, sorry. Hong Kong came very, right? They came very close to upsetting India. So. India, Hong Kong was closer than India, Pakistan. <laughs> Good point, right? Yeah, but yeah, all of these lead to the same conclusion. Is it a possibility that ICC, those that are in the know in ICC, bite the bullet, just play another league underneath and then make this promotion demotion cycle, make it actually interesting for the rest of the associates as well? It's totally a very good point. My argument is that uh, even about when it comes to financial viability, uh, having more teams, biting the bullet in the short run, and then having more teams in the fray will actually make for a much more lucrative World Cup or Champions Trophy or whatever in the long run. At least in the T20 format. Yeah, yeah. in the T20, look, every team that is recognized by the ICC, it plays an international T20 these days. Yes, around 100 going... plus. Yeah. Exactly. So, we are headed in the right direction, right? So, yeah. I'm hoping the same, let's say, the concession is given in the ODIs eventually and also in tests. And, yeah. you know, in a couple of years, three, four years down the line, who knows, we may actually see what we're talking of a plate league that is played one level lower. Right? Yeah. Let's see how that goes. Exactly. All right. Going further, if you were to look at some of the, you know, uh, news from around the world, let's start because we've been talking of tournaments. ICC has approved a new 16 tournament in the next uh, sort of planning cycle starting in 2023. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, BCCI is not happy about it. Did you read this or did you... But what exactly is it supposed to replace? So what... Like is it a champion's trophy of some kind? It's like a champion's trophy. It's like a champion's trophy, but it's... So ICC is targeting holding one international tournament every year. So Mm -hmm. instead of going for like uh, two uh, T20s and maybe one World Cup in one four-year cycle, they want to make sure there's at least one international multi-tournament trophy every year. So because Mm -hmm. of that, because... 
many countries who are not earning a lot when uh, bilateral tours happen they are looking to earn through these sort of you know ways okay. and bcci okay. is not happy because for them bilateral tours are equally lucrative and in fact but more lucrative than a multi tour world cup multi tour world cup and they want to see that uh, you know the ftp or the future tours program is honored even beyond 2023 right mm-hmm. so this is the fight that's happening without getting into the specifics i'm very curious as to how it will go when ganguly who's now been confirmed as a president elect or has now taken over as a president right how he will actually handle these sort of situations from bcci perspective do you have any thoughts on that it's an extension of what we were talking about now right so having a 10 team world cup and then having a 16 team champions trophy or whatever doesn't make any sense because you have to have some differentiator in terms of what product you are offering right so since you have elitized your world cup itself having a shorter i don't know what purpose that will serve because uh, at least for that you should have like a knockout tournament or some something to differentiate mm. it and in fact i i look at it the other way around like i don't think bilaterals will continue to remain as lucrative for really long time given how many different alternatives people have in terms of entertainment right. even in india uh, i think the next generation will start looking for context in their interest no. you cannot really have a random five match sri lanka one day series and expect to make as much Correct. money anyway. no that that's going to come a bit later in the subcontinent i'm thinking because look it it's the way football has gone there are mm-hmm. premier leagues everywhere and there are international multi team tournaments mm-hmm. there's nothing in between yeah in fact i feel even things like the asia cup is a lot more exciting than actually watching randomly a bilateral between india and bangladesh or india and sri lanka in so, fact even from the cricketers point of view right Hmm. uh you really do not test them so this is something we spoke about in on our podcast in the past with amar uh, nakvi yeah, uh, yeah. from the so karachi khatmal so we were talking about this in our episode once about uh, say when it comes to an international cricketer these days in one day cricket you have bilaterals and all of a sudden you have the world cup knockout situation so you generally do not get a chance to test out your skills under high pressure knockout scenarios right i'm not talking about those uh, ipl or any of these t20 leagues i'm talking about international cricket in general mm. as uh, compare this to the 90s or even the early 2000s say yuvraj singh for that matter yuvraj singh when he played the 2011 world cup quarter final had actually played a fair few games under knockout situations in international cricket in the past beat the nightwest trophy final so at least that context of playing in a grand final or an icc knockout like situation i think it adds to a player's uh, a temperament under tough situations okay, i feel for guys like kedar jadhav or 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 any of these middle order batsmen in india because they generally mm-hmm. in bilateral situations you either have like given how easily we win games these days like 4-0 4-1 at the most in any of these five game series either they get like a dead rubber to play in or they are playing in like some pointless very easy situations so they have nothing to gain out of that i think at least a tri series should be the bare minimum i mean you see this being replicated in the associate cricket where tri series or pentangulars or quadrangulars are held regularly where most of these teams at least get even in elite highest. cricket that was the case right like even in the top tier cricket yeah uh, we used to have quadrangulars and tri- in fact the most memorable tri series that you can think of uh, the tri series in australia used to be a big part of the calendar even they have moved away now it's got to do with financing again but i think it you're right it will probably go back to that in a couple of years i dare say the subcontinent we may see it a bit later but i think mm-hmm. most of the world is going to move on to a multi team quadrangular pentangular sort of tournaments in most cases and these bilateral tours may reduce right now bcci is resisting it we see it but yeah who knows mm-hmm. right. because context is what will keep cricket viable and if you do not have contrast your bilateral series absolutely have no meaning for a large part of india you will start seeing that getting reflected in your crowds and so on i hope so no i really hope so because uh, then by 2023 bcci will also accept it makes sense that you know you have multi team tournaments but for me the six is too less but again let's not go into that so for me let's see how they decide which will be the teams participating let, let the rest of the details come out and maybe we can have a detail i had actually if at all there is a tournament i'll actually want like a 
maybe a larger tournament say a 12 team tournament but a knockout yeah. like yeah. the 2000 icc knockout something like uh-huh. that that will be a fun tournament to watch like yeah. every game being a knockout that will be a good one too then make it 16 and keep it a knockout Draw and keep it that way exactly then that will be a short tournament but gives an opportunity to a lot of teams you have to differentiate your product somehow right indeed let's see how that goes now going ahead we've heard that ganguly has been inaugurated as the bcci president and he's already had to tackle some very interesting questions did you get a chance to follow this yeah in general i've just been seeing the posturing that he has been doing so far so I, we have a lot of hope but let us see like how much of it is practical given the 9 month duration tenure I, i i do not know how much he can achieve sadly that's a very interesting problem so we'll have to see how they tackle that but maybe he can be given some sort of an extension or something but uh, you know in his very first uh, press conference as the president he was asked some very tough questions and he sort of handled them with uh, some amount of aplomb you can say because uh, he was asked about dhoni you know dhoni was the captain when ganguly retired and ganguly said it will be dhoni's pick uh, when he'll want to go and uh, he'll want to make that happen in a very smooth way also he was asked uh, yeah what about the revenue sharing and he said that will have to be revisited uh, in the upcoming meetings as well apart from that mm-hmm. uh, he himself was given a conflict of interest notice of course right so let's see how that is so maybe we'll see if he's able to uh, fix a few of those things or maybe take it to the next step it's not going to get fixed those are systemic faults but we really hope it slowly you know comes out there yeah i i think shaker gupta or someone had did yeah 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 cut the clutter thing on this conflict cut the clutter on this conflict yeah, of interest right. thing right some of it is like impractical as he yes. says because if you're looking for really good people you will struggle to find them not being in demand right. so i don't know how that is going to be tackled that is one of the many reforms in the loda committee which are which do not seem very practical they have just gone for you know what is just is just we don't care but yeah. usually it's results people who drive the results that matter right yeah 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 so that's a very good point as well so okay now uh, just let's run through some of the other interesting news that has happened since our previous episode so first of all in the icc cricket committee meeting that happened last week nepal and zimbabwe have been officially readmitted as icc members mm-hmm. right so that's a good thing so there is no chance that you know zimbabwe or somebody may lose the cricket and they may go the kenya route yeah in fact that just when zimbabwe was actually looking like they were getting back because just mm-hmm. a year or so ago they had beaten sri lanka in sri lanka i know it may not sound like a huge achievement because they had never done it in their history so that is quite a big ch- achievement right and zimbabwe really? cricket was reasonably getting back on track they had a fairly uh, good crowd support during the world uh, world cup qualifiers in harare and so on so it was quite sad to see them go the other way so hopefully they'll get back same for nepal they are like the new afghanistan right in terms yeah. of how rapid their rise has been so yeah. we really hope you know they get the relevant amount of support from icc and they are able to continue growing or continue flourishing in zimbabwe case mm-hmm. and then of course uh, phil simmons who had been sacked by the previous uh, board now has returned as the coach of west indian cricket men's team right mm-hmm. so your thoughts on that uh, i actually feel that simmons has a lot to work with in terms of resource also so i am hoping like he gets the discipline back in west indies cricket more than anything else contrary to what a lot of people say i don't think west indies cricket's issue is paucity of uh, available resource right they have quite a lot of good talent coming through so even in the world cup their issues were more temperamental than to do with ability i think they have a at this moment actually they look like having the better resources better resources than south africa even in terms of man the personnel like they have a decent fast bowling attack their batting yeah. struggles for temperament they have okay okayish batsmen they have been decent in test cricket in the last few years let, let us not forget like uh, they beat england in a test match in england and uh, they were okay Pakistan struggled to beat them in West Indies. Sri Lanka and Bangladesh also didn't beat them in the West Indies. So I think they have a lot to work with, and I feel like someone like Simmons who has been successful even with Ireland in the past. So I hope he can fix a lot of those systemic issues with discipline and how they pick their test sides and so on. Look, 
if i were to only talk of on field performances and if i were to talk of what changes west indies need to you know sort of consider on field i am thinking it's more to do with you're absolutely right the mindset but the other one is discipline hmm. right and for me i don't know if phil simmons can inject that spark you needs a more tough taskmaster somebody like a mickey arthur you know hmm. somebody who will literally beat you black and blue if you don't do something work or something so i would like to see that sort of strict discipline being impo- in, imposed there because that's what took them to the top of the ladder previously correct i remember Just reading this article yeah 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 he was the guy he was mm-hmm. as fit as any of the people in the team and mm-hmm. they used to run like 12 kilometers a day and stuff like that they had those routines right mm-hmm. yeah but it's a different world we are talking of right now there is this um, bounty cricketer concept mostly west indian cricketers who play in the yeah. t20s across the world mercenary right so unfortunately i don't know if it will apply but those that want to commit to test cricket should be made to undergo those sort of a strict disciplinarian culture where that is what is going to carry them through five days right yeah jason older seems too soft a person for position <laughs> like that right he he has actually been fairly successful himself he is one of the better all-rounders going around but that doesn't seem to inspire their cricket test cricket yeah. at least he did it for a while he was able to do get the best out of the team for a little bit this year he's been faltering in tests but yeah. let's hope it's just a temporary dip i think he still has a couple more years as a test keeper left in him mm-hmm. i mean if the results continue to go the way they did in indian series where there was no fight shown that might mm-hmm. be a problem but i right? feel like in shay hope uh, hetmeyer and holder and uh, a couple of the other batsmen like nicholas puran and co i think they have a good core there as a batting unit even in tests so no, they do no but is there a ready made skipper that's the problem yeah that's true it's unlike south africa at this moment i think they feel i feel they have that core even in the world cup you did see that yeah, yeah. Uh, had they been temperamentally better they would have been in with a shot at the semi finals actually exactly no it, you're absolutely right it's a temperament and a discipline issue or maybe you know a mental thing mental block yeah. Yeah. Even their bowling is really good in tests. Kima Roach and Shanak mm. Gopal on their day are as good as any. Any. Correct. In fact, they are they have the second best bowling averages in the last 3 years after the mm. Indian attack when it comes right. to pace bowling. So, wow. they have been That's a good point. Yeah. So it, it's generally like we in cricket I think we lose a lot of things just because we perceive something, right? We perceive West Indian cricket to be the same as what it was 7 uh, years ago or 6 years ago. They are not as bad, that's what I'm saying. they're not the finished product yet but mm. they have something to work with indeed ah uh, let's hope you know philsimons can take them across the rubicon and you know make them yeah. the finished product maybe they again raise as one of the challengers and if not the champions of test cricket let's see how that goes right yeah. now um moving on so uh, there has been another wave of uh, problems uh, that uae team has faced so they have provisionally suspended four players mohammad navid Kadir Ahmed, Shaiman Anwar, and Ashwak Ahmed. So Mohammad Navid was the captain, in fact. So mm-hmm. four of them have been suspended due to some anti-corruption investigation that's ongoing, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, the fifth guy, the keeper, Gulam Shabir, has somehow suddenly left the squad and run away, mm-hmm. and was surfaced in Pakistan two days later. Right now, what's happening? Mm-hmm. There is some tumult going on with the UAE team, and we really hope it's coming to resolution the right way and also in a good way as far as UAE cricket is concerned, because. this doesn't look good because i read in a newspaper report that you know two of those uae players the captain and the senior batsman they look to you know sort of make up to upwards of 270k dollars yeah. oh. uh, those betting so it was all the betting that was planned for this ongoing t20 qualifiers that's why they had to be suspended mm-hmm. right um, the other guy who was suspended or the other two i think it looks like they did not report approaches or something like this oh so it's it's all a bit Uh, murky right now because we are awaiting the reports but it it doesn't look really good mm. right yeah uh, but let's hope it's sort of coming to a, a proper conclusion and you know, cricket moves on in a mm. nicer and a cleaner way yeah now in pakistan news we see that the overhaul after the world cup is sort of complete safras has been sacked as a test and the t20 captain and more importantly some interesting new faces have been chosen in the pakistan uh, test in the t20 squad mm-hmm. uh, did you follow this by any chance so i've uh, i followed it through some of the pakistani youtube channels that you have like that is my daily resource of entertainment sometimes uh, nice the rashid latif <laughs> shoaib akhtar 
and that entire crew i think everybody has youtube channel these days right i followed yes, some of it through that thing. and they seem quite upbeat in general like there is this yeah, musa yeah. khan that they are talking about indeed he's 19 kushtil yeah. shah middle order batsman who's 24 and then the usman kadir son of uh, uh-huh. the late great abdul, abdul kadir, kadir right yeah. he's been chosen out of nowhere actually in fact uh, two weeks ago when they asked him he said uh, how can we consider him he's not played cricket in pakistan and so on and suddenly he's been chosen mm-hmm. typical pakistani way uh, old face without proper <laughs> reasoning but doesn't matter right yeah. he's a talent he spins good and Maybe he's not as effective as you don't look to him to be the next uh, Mushtaq Ahmed or yeah. you know Danish Kanaria or somebody. But mm. I think he's good, or even for that matter, uh, Yasser Shah. Yasser Shah. Right? I, then, I, of course, I genuinely Kishi. hope they do well in Australia. Like I wanted them to put yeah, up a yeah. fight at least. Yeah. No, they have been traditionally very good wherever the fast bowling can come good. Yeah. Right. So I'm really hoping to see Mohammad Musa Khan, but they have enough fresh talk anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, there is this uh, Mohammad Hasnain and there is uh, Shahin Shah Afridi. Shahin Shah, yeah. In these three or four people, they have the makeup for a very, very good test attack player for years down the line. Mm-hmm. So if anything, you know, I'm really hoping these guys can absorb the experience and in three or four years emerge as the finished products that yeah. can take Pakistan further for the next decade or so in the fast bowling. And it was about time they moved away from Wahabriyaz and go anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, Mohammad Amir has retired from tests, Definitely. which came as a surprise to most of them. But yeah, it happened. Right? Yeah. He wasn't particularly effective either in tests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since his comeback. He wasn't as effective. Correct. I mean, they dropped a lot of catches. This is a debate for another day. But <laughs> it didn't look like he was ground-shakingly good. Like that 19-year-old with all that promise. It, it yeah. was not him. Yeah. And the other thing, of course, you know, the appointment of captaincy. So, Azhar Ali has been named the test captain. That sort of comes along with expected lines, the most experienced player. Mm-hmm. It was either him or Asad Shafiq and sort of Azhar Ali has done this before and probably, you know, he's also been doing it more consistently. So, yeah. probably it's him. Right? But in T20, they appointed Babar Azam. So, that came as a surprise, right? I mean, why drops Sharfaz Ahmed from T20? If at all there is one format he fit in, I think it was T20. They, right. Babar as a one-day captain would have still made sense. But, uh, well, I mean, I don't think Babar should be given any leadership role at this stage in his career. He's still young enough, yeah. right? Hmm. Give him three or four more years, if possible, to just build his game, take it to the next level like Kohli was able to do. Yeah, Become but, equally good in tests and one-days. It's lack of options, right? Yeah, Imad Vasim is there. I don't know. Right. I think Imad Vasim is not a favorite of Mispa for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. And this is what I get to hear. But then that doesn't make good enough sense because at least Imad Vasim has certain amount of captaincy credentials. Babar yeah. has no captaincy credentials to speak of. Well, he did lead them in a T20 World Cup. Uh, sorry, in an under-19 World Cup. That's right. That, but, that's true. but after that, not a lot. So I would say it looks like just let him be the finished product if possible, then give him some responsibility. But you know what? Maybe if any team they can take a punt on is probably T20s. T20s. So they have decided to give him that. Hmm. Right. Yeah. All right. Going further, Gulam Bodi, the former South African cricketer, has been given five years in prison sentence. Right. Uh, because he has already been charged with uh, corruption and he had already been proven to be guilty. Now the sentencing has come through. So it's five years of labor, hard labor. So uh, <laughs> this is the first guy who's got this, um, let's say, uh, actually a custodial sentence, right, in 15 years. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it was last, previously it was Hansikroni, actually, 2000, not even 15 or 20 years, right? Yeah. So, uh, it's the first time a custodial sentence has actually been imposed. And in World Cup, in the World Cricket, if you look, this is the last time it was, I think, uh, international cricketers were Mohamed Amir and uh, Amir. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's it's a good thing. It's a good warning to those that were actually um, looking very to... Very rarely order. you have an example of custodial sentences. Exactly. Okay. Well, uh, so it's a good thing and I hope, you know... We already already discussed another such example where somebody was looking to do some spot fixing and so on. So we really hope these guys are deterred because of these yeah. things. The next thing, of course, is uh, well, Bangladesh player strike. It was apparently twenty-four hours a strike. It's like one of those flus that come and go. I'm sorry if I sound a bit flippant, but you know, it's like um, they went on strike yesterday and today they have retracted the strike. This is breaking news <laughs> even as we are recording the podcast. So Bangladesh have called off their strike. So yesterday they have called. Demand been met. I think they have been given certain assurances. I'm not going into the detail, but all 11 points have been addressed. They had 11 points on the agenda, just like a team of cricketers. So all 11 have been addressed. Most of, I think six of those were purely financial, let's say financially motivated in terms of salaries and remuneration. So that has been met, right? 
So based on that, they are comfortable enough to, let's say, withdraw their strike. So, okay. you know, uh, somebody asked Ganguly, that was one of the first questions they asked him once he took the, you know, the press conference as the president. He said, no, no, they'll come. And it looked like his confidence was not misplaced, you know. <laughs> so the strike is over and we really hope, you know, this upheaval that they're promised happens because in many South Asian cricketing boards mm-hmm. and even in uh, governance in general, we see that, you know, there's always some musical chairs that happen. Yep. Sometimes it's purely due to lack of better personnel, but sometimes it's just nepotism. But we really hope this is gone and they're able to, uh, you know, clean up the house a little bit and make sure the cricketers who are there earning, let's say the earning people, they get good yeah. uh, revenues. Yeah. Good because Bangladesh people. cricket is on the upswing now. So hopefully... For sure. Yeah, I mean, their performance in the World Cup was a bit disappointing, but yeah. after that, they're coming up and up. So, it's a good thing. So, you know, yeah. you're absolutely yeah. right. So, I'm also going to follow them keenly how they're going to do in the longer formats. And I, I actually feel tests against Bangladesh will be more challenging than South Africa Test Series. Well, it depends on where you play it, but I wouldn't be that confident. But yeah, you're probably right. Bangladesh, I feel at the moment has the better batting of the two sides. In general. You could be right. Like, at least they are more confident about in Asian conditions. That's no, no. I mean. In Asian conditions, they are definitely a force to reckon with. Because uh, uh, at the uh, very least, you know that Mushfikur Rahim will fight. So. Ah, Shahik, Shakib will fight. Tamim is fighting the team. Yeah, so it's a that's a, that's a decent uh, tray of batsmen to build a whole top order around. Right? Yeah, and we'll always have space builds. Yeah, and, <laughs> so, Dhas, and it's quite a lot of batting actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I don't know if you saw this. One of the bones of contention for the Bangladeshi cricketers to feel a bit miffed was... You know, they have introduced a one risk spinner mandatory... Quota system of a different kind. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> sort of, you know, it, it really gladdens my heart because I'm a leg spinner. I play in the local leagues. And oh, oh. it really, really makes me feel very nice. <laughs> if there is such a quota in every team, you know, a leg spinner is guaranteed to either emerge with one of the players who's like bowling in the nets as a leg break bowler will come out and bowl in the match or... <laughs> the next winner is automatically guaranteed a selection, right? But they had a weirder quota, which is like uh, 140 plus K bowler or something like that. Where do you get those? Do they grow on trees or something? But how how do you get that into every side? Like that's a constraint yeah. which is hard to fulfill. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No. Even how few of them exist even in international cricket. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, there is this joke, right? Even now, if you go on the Karachi-Lahore Highway, you mm-hmm. find fast bowlers growing on trees who can bowl 140 yeah. kph. But maybe it's not true for every South Asian team, right? Yeah, even so, for Pakistan, it's not been the case in the last decade. Exactly. Yeah. Post-Shoyeb Akhtar, they have very yeah. few of them. Indeed. Uh, that's a longer discussion. Maybe there may have been some mismanagement. or yeah. There were people like, I don't know if you remember Bilawal Bhatti who came and... Yeah, they're them. like on and off ones. Like, I am talking exactly. about like, they have not found anyone who's lasted 50 test matches at least. Something of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, there's been, a, there's been a little bit of mismanagement for sure. But anyway, that doesn't mean they had those match winners. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So, let's see how that okay. goes. So, anyway, uh, all in all, we're really hoping this uh, this strike is now put to bed and Bangladesh will tour India as, as per, uh, you know, the dates announced earlier. So, we, we really hope all that uh, goes ahead nicely. Right. Okay. Those are all the cricketing news for this episode. So now if you were, were to quickly look at the trivia section. So the trivia question from the previous week was, what is the highest score by an Indian captain in Test Match Cricket? So any guesses, Aditya, before I tell the answer? Mm, it's two, Rahul Ravid and Rahul Pindi. Uh, that's an excellent one, but it's not. He was not the captain. Two, he was not the captain no, in that no. test. Oh. Okay, oh, Ganguly was out for, from the previous test. Yeah. Right. So, do you know then who it is? Oh. Nah, it's it's, it's a Kohli in the 254 he made. It's Kohli so in the previous So, that's the right answer. Surprisingly, we did not get any correct answers. And uh, yeah, I really encourage our listeners to come up with an answer. Even if it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Like You made uh, two or three very respectable guesses. So, that's very nicely done. So, we really look forward to some, you know, answers from our listeners as well. So, now, you know, uh, India inflicted back-to-back uh, in, uh, uh, innings defeats on South Africa in the ongoing series, or the series that just concluded, right? So, the question for this week is, when was the last mm-hmm. time India actually inflicted a back-to-back innings defeat? And which was the team that they did it to, right? So, yeah, I don't know if, uh, you know, if it's something suddenly jumps out at you, Aditya, but... Uh, yeah, let's see. I would really look forward to an answer from you as well once we have stopped recording. Right. Oh, right. Sure. 
So as always, you know, you could write into us uh, to answer the trivia question or share your thoughts about how the podcast is going. You know, so for example, there is uh, social media platforms using our Facebook page or on Twitter at Armchair Crit Pod, or also you know other such avenues like whichever podcasting app you use, you could leave it there as a comment to that particular episode and so on. Right. So do write into us. It always keeps us going. It always gives us a bit of a fillip when we see feedbacks. Yeah? Also, if you're um, using something like Apple Podcasts or Podbean, make sure you leave a five-star rating if you think we deserve it, of course. So it'll be good because it'll really help us. So those are all the things we had to you know, cover for this episode. So I would like to say thank you to Aditya from the Fourth Seat Podcast for joining us. It was a very enjoyable chat, Aditya. Thanks. It was a lot of fun too. Thank you. So uh, anything to plug? So uh, if you are interested in Bollywood, cricket and a lot of other random stuff, so please tune into the Fourth Seat Podcast. It's a podcast which me um, and a couple of my other friends, uh, Mayuk and Rahul, we we do podcasts on a lot of random stuff like nostalgia, things from the 90s, uh, how we saw things growing up. And of course, a lot of very uh, flippant conversations on on cricket and Bollywood, like, please try give give us a listen and see how it goes. Like, if you you might find us interesting, yeah. it's fantastic. So I can definitely recommend there. You know the podcast. So the I heard the Bollywood Deshbhakti Sanskar, the podcast that was released on August seventeenth. I think it was an Independence Day uh, theme podcast. I really really became a big fan immediately, and I went back and binge listened to all their previous episodes. So. I highly recommend this to any fans of, you know, people growing up in the 80s and 90s. A lot of what they say and what they're reflecting, even early 2000s, will reflect with you and sort of give you the same sense that, you know, you notice while growing up, for example. So it's a very nice podcast to follow. So thanks a lot once again, Aditya. Yeah, thank you. All right. To all our listeners, thank you very much. And goodbye. And we hope to have your company in the coming episodes as well. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.